Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 11 for Saturday, January 12th. I'm Alex Uwe and I'm here today with Alex Rudy and Ray Estrada. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. Solid. How about you guys? How about you, Uwe? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm doing well. We're, uh, you know, just back at school now. I, I hear you're rocking the new microphone. So that's, that's always a fun time, getting new stuff. It's always fun to finally invest a little and get on your guys' level. Yeah, I, I feel more professional now, I mean, even though I've been using, the same, been using the same stuff for, for a long time now. But now, now it feels complete. We all have actual microphones of some sort. So now we all are, you know, on, on that higher level. I like it. Um, I, sh- I guess we should talk about baseball. We're talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates today. That is our team of the week. Um, and recently, it's been kind of all over the place. We've had many teams of the week, and it will continue to be that way until we correct our schedule. But just hang with us, and we'll be getting all the, the podcasts out to you eventually. So the Pittsburgh Pirates this week. Um, I just uh, uploaded an article about them in which I go over a lot of different hypothetical deals that the Pirates could make this offseason, because really, I just, I just miss when things happened in the MLB offseason. Do you guys know anything more about this holdup? Like, what are your theories about why nothing's happening? <laughs> Scott Boris, a lot of, um, like, Hosmer and uh, Arietta and... Jaden Martinez are his big clients, and I know a lot of other guys haven't signed. But I mean, teams aren't willing to spend as much with that new luxury tax. And Scott Boris has always wanted too much for his players, and now it's harder to get uh, his players overpaid. His players overpaid with um, with what teams are starting to do now. I I think on the contrary, though, they could be much of the same problem. To me, I see it more is the frugality of the teams. Because, you know, Scott Boris has always controlled a lot of the top free agents and clients in baseball. And um, there's no doubt this is kind of a rare season where he happens to basically control all of the veteran top free agents at the same time. But um, instead of just a proportion. But I, I think teams are just much less willing to spend increasingly every year on these expensive uh, free agents. And because in baseball it takes so long... Um, in your career to even become a free agent, uh, you know, they just, teams have learned that it's just not worth it to be putting so much money and so many years on these guys who are already uh, halfway or mostly done with their primes. And it's been basically, you can basically prove at this point the only way to win is to is through drafting and trading. And free agency doesn't really dramatically affect it except for maybe bolstering your bullpen or signing a complimentary piece here or there. So... You know, we all knew going in this was a pretty weak free agent class. I really think this is just a case of teams saving their money for next uh, next year. And I don't think it's going to speed up at any point. I think it's all going to come down basically up until spring training before mm-hmm. we finish this off. Yeah, and I think part of that too is just as front offices expand, they're much larger teams of people, much larger analytics departments, a lot more people involved in the decision-making process. Uh you know, generally speaking, and there's a lot more information that makes people very pessimistic about signing a lot of these players. It's, it's easy to find what's wrong with, with, uh, with players nowadays. Like, why shouldn't you spend your money is more the conversation now. So 
you know, with the Pirates, obviously they're not big free. They're not a big free agent market kind of team, and they haven't been even even before this year. But Garrett Cole is the centerpiece of the trade market, and he's apparently, according to many reports in the last few days, it is imminent that he's going either to Houston or to the Yankees. But I think that is just a side effect of these uh, baseball reporters being bored and you know jumping on any rumors that they can possibly get their hands on. But these teams are taking their sweet time with any Garrett Cole trades that could potentially happen at any point in time. Um, so in the meantime, I, I went ahead and came up with a few of my own just... Uh, just to give you know people something to talk about, something to uh, to either like or dislike, to to react to, because there's nothing to react to right now, and I think that's a big problem. We need we need something happening. We're, we're in, insatiable creatures. So, um, would, do you guys want to? Uh, I guess first we can talk a little bit about Garrett Cole himself, and not so much about you know, potential trades he'd be involved in. Uh, I I feel like you guys from what I've heard talking to you, have differing viewpoints on Garrett Cole's value just as a player, not even as a, you know, a trade, tradable commodity. Rudy, what it, you seem to be pretty low on Garrett Cole compared to some other people out there. Why don't you go ahead and tell us why that is? I mean, it's a classic case of a guy who's always had the stuff and bearing a excellent... 2013, 2014, back-to-back seasons, but and 2015 um, was really where he put it all together. Um, that, but when you take okay, take away 2015, you have 13, 14, 16, 17 are all fine seasons in various ways. You can measure them either by strikeouts or ERA or where, wins, wherever you want to go. You could find a way to innings pitch that those are very solid seasons, but. Excluding 2015, he's never had an ace-quality season. And considering that one season is sandwiched between two mediocre to good uh, seasons on both sides, I don't really see the evidence for him to that he's proving that he'll ever put it together as a true ace. And there's nothing wrong with that. He's still you know, a very above-average pitcher who's consistent. And I like to think that if he didn't have injuries so often he would be a lot closer to that 2015 version of himself more often but the fact of the matter is I just I can't imagine being happy if I was a fan of a team who gave up top prospects multiple top prospects for Garrett Cole I just don't see the consistency he is probably not as durable as I think most people think he always has nagging injuries and you know Pittsburgh has that pitching, whisperer, you know, coaching staff, turning people like Burnett, Bulquez, Liriano, etc., all into effective pitchers. Why is that Alex Cole? He's been there his whole career. So I think I really was happy when I thought the Astros were training for him because it meant the Yankees weren't giving up <laughs> top prospects for him. So, you know, you kept saying except for the 2015 season – but that was a really good season. That was in tr- that was a true ace-like season where he kept the ERA down and actually, you know, struck out batters at a pretty decent rate compared to how he normally does. I mean, he's in his career, he's about an 8.4 K per 9 kind of guy. 
And then in that one season, he started striking out more batters. It was closer to a batter per inning. So, you know, I there's in, it's hard to ignore something like that. Teams like the potential. They've seen he can do it. He's still only 27 years old, and he's got a couple more years of team control, which is, you know, the big, the big selling point nowadays. So, you know, whatever package that goes back to the Pirates, if Garrett Cole ever does get traded, is going to be a pretty substantial package, I think. Um, well, I guess I, you know, I wrote this this article. It, it's a it's a decent read. I go into a little bit of a breakdown of the. Wait, what do you give players. yourself credit on that? I I mean <laughs> I uh, it's it's a decent length article. I I don't know, length isn't the important part. I'm I'm just meaning to say that I go into a little more detail about some of the the players on this, um, that we'll end up discussing than we might go into on this podcast but one of the first ones that I proposed was that the Astros do trade for Garrett Cole which has been almost imminent at this point um, but now seems to not be so much Um, Garrett Cole to the Astros in exchange for Joe Musgrove Colin Moran which is a third base prospect of the Astros Derek Fisher the outfielder and another young prospect Jonathan Arouse so you know Looking at the, the centerpieces of that trade um, that are going back to the Pirates, you, starting with like Joe Musgrove. I think Joe Musgrove going to the Pirates would be the case in any case where Cole gets traded to the Astros. He seems like a no-brainer piece to trade. What, what do you guys think about that? I, I'm not sure what the Astros' plans are. I know they certainly like to keep young talent. We saw... We saw how reluctant they were to even trade for Verlander, and they sent decent prospects over. So I said I don't have much knowledge on what they want to trade, so I'm not sure who they think is expandable in their bullpen. I would think Musgrove is, but you never know what, what, what they're thinking. And I, I I have trouble seeing that they're going to send four uh, pieces like that away for uh, another starting pitcher. Right, but the thing is for the Astros, these are all pieces that are unnecessary relatively expendable and then for the pirates these would be you know pretty decent pieces that would play a role immediately that's kind of why the astros depth at this point can get them like it's just it's wasted if they're just letting it sit in the farm system and not turning it into something they can use right now Um, you know joe musgrove would be a starter pretty much anywhere else he went and he won't be with the astros colin moran is blocked pretty, you know, definitively by Alex Bregman at this point. Um, Carlos Correa, it's a very crowded left side of the infield. And, you know, this is a place where he can be plugged in right away. David Fries is not going to stop anybody there. So, you know, these are just some of the reasons why these players in particular seem like they'd be better fits um, on the Pirates than they would be on the Astros. So... That's kind of the the theme of this whole thing is just how would these players become more valuable on the Pirates than they are where they currently sit? Um, And I'll go ahead and kind of throw the next one to you, Rudy, since it's one of your your worst nightmares. Apparently, the Yankees trading for Garrett Cole. So if the Yankees do trade for Garrett Cole, I would imagine something. This might be a generous package. You might like it. You might not like it. in exchange for Miguel Andujar, the third-base prospect, Domingo Acevedo, the starting pitching prospect, and 
a, uh, a lower-level, non-top prospect named Cody Carroll, but he is a very hard-throwing relief pitcher, two-pitch kind of guy. So what do you think? You know quite a bit about these Yankees prospects, I'd say, compared to most. Is there anything that makes you not like this trade, or is this you know a decent return, you think? I would rather trade a top outfield prospect other than Frazier than Andujar just because of the Yankees' current uh, infield situation where they're really lacking in infield depth. But I honestly, I think we talked in that value. That wasn't, when I was thinking I really didn't want the Yankees to trade for him, I was seeing talks of like Frazier going or Torres, which I thought was like unacceptable for a pitcher of Cole's caliber. And that's what got me really riled up about this in the first place. Well, part of what I've been doing... That's just an insane asking price mm -hmm. for a guy who's had one ace quality season. But that deal, I think... um, I could be convinced. I might do Esteban Floyle. And, you know, he's the number two prospect at the moment, according to Baseball America, so maybe that would allow us... To um, what was the, the first pitcher you said again? Domingo Acevedo. Yeah, that would maybe allow us to throw in uh, a lesser pitcher than that, just because I think. Uh, but or work around, maybe get a veteran back like Harrison, um, if Andujar was involved. But it, it, that would be a basis I'd be more interested in. Mm-hmm. But the the talks of giving away a true top prospect for him I just think is ins- I just think it's insanity personally yeah and you know the thing is with these deals I didn't just pull these out of my behind I I kind of had some forethought to them I think I have thought about the scenarios and reasonings for each team and why they would want to do this and obviously the Yankees have said no to the prospects of sending Torres or Frazier to the Pirates at this point. I think that was kind of established earlier in December. So that was kind of off the table already in my mind. But, you know, the Yankees have a very deep farm system. And in regards to the outfielders that you want to send to the Pirates, think about the Pirates' situation too. Think about their outfield currently. They have all three of their outfielders currently signed to, you know, relatively team-friendly uh, contracts right now, and then also some some deeper pieces, like Austin Meadows, other pieces that are already being blocked. I think they have similar concerns as the Yankees do about overcrowding their outfield. Um, that that was the um, that was the hang up with the with the Yankee deal. The Yankees were actually wanting to send Clint Frazier to um to the Pirates, so the Pirates wanted Gleyber Torres, yeah. and that, that's why they they couldn't find it. But yeah, he said that the Pirates need infield depth and so are the Yankees, and they both have surpluses of outfielders, and that doesn't really line up for good trade partners. Season, I mean, so he's going to be gone. And I assume they're going to trade him before that, honestly, anyways, to a, a competing team. So there really is a spot um, available. And I, I, I don't really see the – I don't really think any of the three outfielders that the Pirates have right now anyways are guys who should just be locked down guarantees every season. Gregor Polanco is like fine. He's, he's probably the only one. Nothing who, wrong with him. I would him. say he's not a guaranteed uh, starter. <laughs> yeah. John, what's his name? Uh, Starling Marte. I mean, Starling Marte was really good because he juiced. No, Starling Marte is a very good player. Like you can't just say it's because he juiced. Like 
it's he's still a very good baseball player. I, I don't think he's so good that they should just ignore outfield prospect deals. His season last year was in seventy seven games was fine. He's really fast, I guess, but nothing else about it really stands out to me. I don't see what's so special about him. He clearly was much better when he was taking steroids. I don't think that can be like denied. Well, because that's because he was taking <laughs> steroids the in t- according, you know, just based on what we know, is the the entirety of the, the early part of his career was that. That's the that's the whole sample size. So we had a what a seventy seven game sample size of him not taking steroids, and that's enough to say yeah, he's not that good. Uh, and I don't think that's the case at all. I'm not saying he's not like an above average starter, but I don't think he's some, you know, perennial MVP contender. That I think he's they a top five left fielder, they, though. But <laughs> but how many guys are perennial MVP contenders? Right, like he is. He is a good outfielder. <laughs> like you're not gonna you're not gonna push him aside for Clint Frazier. That's just not. Gonna I mean, happen. I don't think Darling Marte at age 29 is going to be a difference maker the next time the Pirates are contending. I would probably trade him too, honestly, mm-hmm. when his value is still relatively high. Right. Well, he's on a very team-friendly deal right now, from what it looks like. Um, I think that was a couple years ago. Now that was when he signed like a five-year deal. But yeah, the the point is, you know, they're facing similar outfield concerns as the Yankees, so trading outfielders might seem less attractive. Um, and then there was one other. Well, there's a couple other deals that I guess I'll bring up the prospects of. One of them is trading Andrew McCutcheon to the Indians, which, you know, kind of let that sink in for what it is first. And then going back to the Pirates, I would say would be players like Danny Salazar, Yandy Diaz, and like another lower level back the rotation starter like Ryan Merritt or like Josh Tomlin or some other back end starter. But so, okay, so first of all, does Andrew McCutcheon on the Indians interest you at all? Does that like make you excited about the prospects of the Indians or the Pirates in any way? Not, not, not really. I mean, we talked about it in our in our Indian show. They they don't have many holes to fill. They have a couple pieces they could add, but they don't need to send Salazar and um, pieces like that to to get McCutcheon. They don't necessarily have a, a big need for that. I disagree a little bit, honestly, because I, I don't think Bradley Zimmer is particularly special. And no, but also remember that is, Jason Kipnis can play center field. Right, but the, just Jason Kipnis, Lonnie Chisenhall, Michael Brantley all get hurt every single year, and they cannot be counted on to as guaranteed players. And I think there's no way McCutcheon is going to need... You're gonna, the Pirates should be asking that much for him. I just can't imagine that. And... For a rental, I mean, I, it, it would seem like he had a deep, very good season last year. I mean, obviously it would take a decent prospect, but I don't think it would be anything insane. I think the Indians need to go. I, I haven't gotten a chance to hear what you guys said about them yet, but in my, my opinion, and not to get too much on tangent, the Indians should be going all in right now because this is not a young team except for Lindor particularly, and like most of their best players, so... And the Twins and the White Sox are only going to get better going forward, so this is their chance to go all in. I would, I personally think it's a great trade for them to do that. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned that McCutcheon really did have a good season last year, and there were talks about, oh, you know, he's really on the decline at this point. 
no, that was not the case at all. Last year, he put all that to rest. You know, the just his batted ball numbers went back to normal. His batting average kind of went back up. Not quite to MVP caliber, but, you know, back up from a concerning 256 average in 2016. And I think he still has a lot to offer, even, you know, as a rental. He's a free agent next season. Is that right? Andrew I believe McCutcheon. so. But- yeah. So, yeah. you know... And just thinking about, you know, you say that's a really huge return for that. You know, the Indians are not so excited about what Danny Salazar has been doing the last couple seasons for them, um, especially this last year at the starting rotation. He had his struggles. They, they're they kind of, you know, trying to decide if they're going to need to make a permanent switch to the bullpen with him or, you know, they're in a very sticky situation with him as well. And you know how much pirates love their pitching reclamation projects. So they can turn him into something really special. But the other guys in this deal are not top prospects at all. Yandy Diaz and Ryan Merritt, you know, Yandy Diaz can be a good defensive third baseman who hits for good average, but he's not, you know, a highly touted third base kind of guy. He's just a guy that's completely blocked in Cleveland right now. And, you know, same with Ryan Merritt, like he can start. He is, you know, a non-strikeout effective left-handed pitcher who is, you know, probably not going to pitch much at all for the Indians next year if he remains on the Indians. So it's, an, it's again, a case of just um, these are players who are not going to play for us and we can get value from them if we trade them. So that's kind of the whole theme of this this talk. That's what the Pirates are thriving on at this point is just players who are not getting any playing time on other teams. Um, which is not ideal if you want to be a contending team. So the last um, trade that I brought up is one that is highly unlikely, and it is only in the case that the Pirates, for whatever reason, decide they want to contend for the wild card or for the division this year, and that would be by trying to go after Danny Duffy from the Royals. And this is just a completely out there, just kind of, okay, what now? Um, Especially because Danny Duffy is one of, you know, he's the lefty version of Garrett Cole in the trade market right now. He's going to be expensive. So I would imagine the Pirates would have to send a couple of their top prospects, probably Austin Meadows and Mitch Keller, if they wanted to get Danny Duffy. And probably a couple other, I, I like Chad Cool really? and Will Craig for lower level stuff. What do you mean really? In, in what regard to the... the is Danny Duffy considered that good now? Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's throwing good numbers. He he is battles injury too. Um, Danny Duffy, I I honestly don't know what the Royals should do with him because I don't know what the Royals are doing. Um, <laughs> if they want to tank, they want to tank. They should trade Danny Duffy. But if they're offering Hosmer seven years, I'm sure they have offers out for Kane and Mustakis for less than other teams. But I the Royals Royals are in a very awkward spot in almost a very similar spot to the Pirates, uh, place hey. where they're they, they don't have much options to go out and get to contend now, but also they could try and contend if they wanted to, but it's, it's honestly hard to say. So you seem baffled by the fact it, that Danny Duffy's a good pitcher. Is that news to you? Why is he worth Austin Meadows and three other prospects good, though? Remember, Rudy, this is always this is hypotheticals that we're talking about. So Danny, yeah, <laughs> Danny Duffy is, a, is commanding a lot of trade value also. Just, you know a lot of interest from other teams. So this is probably what it would take for them Isn't to get the deal done. 
bike that like tried to drive through a McDonald's backwards or something. Wait, that driving through a McDonald's backwards, first of all, does not seem like a criminal offense in its own right. I think it was the fact that he was um, intoxicated while going through a yes. drive-through that was the problem. Uh, and also, you know, Danny Duffy is undoubtedly a really good left-handed pitcher, which is also a very nice feature, you know, like consistently improved his ground ball rate and his K rate over the last couple years. Um, two years ago was, you know, like the, the high point of what he was able to do. And last year kind of maintained it to the point where it was like, all right, this is something that he's able to do consistently and, you know, showed that he could maintain upper 90s fastball velocity. So, you know, I do think that's a reasonable thing. And I'll also remind you that Austin Meadows really is not a top 30 MLB prospect anymore. He is not that caliber. Like, he's not been able to put it together, really. He is, you know, his ceiling has changed wait, in the wait, eyes of wait, many wait. people. Is Austin Meadows so good that the Pirates can't trade for more outfielders? Or is he so not good that he's you just throw him to okay, Danny so, so we're well, that's right which one's it okay first the the, mo- the main problem with the pirates not wanting to trade for more outfielders is the fact that they have three outfielders that are well, two, well the core outfielders are signed to longer term deals and mccutcheon is you know there he's andrew mccutcheon and and easily tradable yes i'm not saying that the pirates should not go after outfield prospects at all like prospects are prospects no matter what, but if you're going to trade for a major league ready prospect and sit him on the bench for most of the season, then that might be something that might not make a lot of sense. So I'm, I'm saying it from that perspective, like Clint Frazier would not play more on the pirates than he would on the Yankees. Okay. Well, let me ask you this though. Why would the pirates trade Garrett Cole and then just trade for Danny Duffy? Oh, I'm not saying all of these are going to happen. This is just a different scenario in the, in the off chance that the pirates decide that, you know, we can, make a run at this wild card this year. This is not like all of these are going to happen in culmination and create some sort of super team. These are just different hypothetical situations. Does that help a little bit? Fair. So they're so the mat so the idea of this is that the rotation would actually look pretty good with, you know, Cole and Duffy and Tyone at the top of it, and then you go a little bit deeper. You have you know, if Tyler Glass now does happen to break out this year, that is going to be an insane rotation but, you know, even beyond that, they have, um, I'm blanking on their, oh, Ivan Nova. That's their, you know, decent back of the rotation type of pitcher to, at this point. To not get too off track, and I know you're leading this, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to steal it from you, but do you really think there's any incentive or likelihood that the Pirates are going to try to win this year, really considering their history, their unwillingness to spend, and the fact that there were three teams clearly better than them in the division last year, and none of those teams got worse this offseason. Right, so he, I addressed this a little bit. It's the issue of should they and will they? Because I personally think they should, looking at the roster and how they're not too far removed from a 2015 team that won 98 games and somehow ended up in a wild card spot because, you know, the Cubs. But... This was, you know, they did not change too much. The core pieces are still there. Andrew McCutcheon has shown that he's, you know, able to still produce at a high level, like at a, at a you know, best offensive player on the team kind of level. And 
you know, there's there's no point in sitting in mediocrity. The Pirates are more okay with that than most teams are. So, you know, I, it's they should probably make a push at the wild card. It, you know, I know there's really good teams in their division also, but that doesn't mean that they're not in a position to be a good team also. And I just, you know, I, I realize that the Pirates really have not shown any indication that they are willing to make that kind of jump. This is just a, a scenario that would be fun for baseball, but not super realistic. So I'll leave it at that. How about that? Um, all right. So those are the, the main trade things that I had. I know that that actually took up a good chunk of time. So I'll uh, very quickly go through a few of the free agents that I I listed that they could potentially go after. They do occasionally sign a free agent. It's not that they never sign free agents. They actually don't have anybody on their roster currently that was acquired via free agency. That's how frugal they normally are on the market. So one of the obvious ones, to me anyway, would be for them to sign Eduardo Nunez. What do you guys think of that? They need some help on the left side of that infield, for sure. Yeah, I think... I think any team would be smart to sign Nunez because he's a versatile player. He's shown success. He can play on the bench if he has to, but he, he can also start and be successful. Um, I'm wondering if that that injury last year, which I which I know we found out he doesn't need surgery on, but and I I'm curious as to how that's affecting teams and his value or stuff like that. But I I think if you're any team, you you like Nunez no matter what. Right, he's super versatile, but he will definitely have more anchored role either at third base or shortstop with the Pirates if he does end up there, I think. Um, how about Alex Cobb? Alex Cobb is kind of a pitcher that's trying to find it still, trying to return to form after Tommy John surgery. Ray Searidge might be able to help with that. What do you think about um, the prospects of the Pirates signing him, Rudy? I thought she sounds like a classic Pirates move. He's the redemption project, has had a ton of injuries. But the talents there is no reason that the, um, you know, the whatever they put in the water there, um, outside the stadium that I assume they put in all the players' cups during the game. Hey, is it just steel? I mean, it is Pittsburgh, right? It's just lead poisoning. It's it's not that big of a secret. <laughs> That's probably it's probably the pollution, honestly. Oh yeah, that too. It's the perfect uh, combination. So. That actually, I think, is a really realistic and smart move for them. Yeah. It's no risk, high reward. The only reason I see them not doing that is because there seems to have been a decent amount of interest from other teams going after Alex Cobb, so it might drive the price up a little bit um, and dissuade them because they don't like spending money. Uh, I listed a few other reclamation project pitchers, some names that you might not have. How about Clay Buckles? When's the last time you thought about Clay Buckles? being a free agent wait what (laughs) just joking with me kind of i mean i'm not joking though because they can sign him dirt cheap now it's not like the phillies when they signed him he they paid him 13 and a half million dollars last year i don't know if you realize that he's not going to make nearly that much he is i didn't even know he played last year he played two games last year and then i think the phillies straight up released him i i don't remember what happened exactly yeah but you know Reclamation projects, right? They're fun. Give him like a, a spring training invite, I guess, but yeah. I would never sign. How about uh, how about Chris Tillman, who is coming off a season? That's, I really like. How about a season where he came off of having a seven eighty four ERA? I think that's a perfect guy for them. I would give him actually guaranteed money. 
I don't trust yeah. anything in Baltimore ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and things like Tillman's shown to be a good pitcher before, and then he blew up for almost an eight ERA last year. It was just really, <laughs> it was, it was, it almost seemed really fluky. It was the perfect how, storm. How, how yeah. bad he was. There's natural, yeah. you know, correction coming for no matter where he is. But you know, going to Pittsburgh would be the perfect place for a pitcher who's got shelled out of his mind in the last, you know, 365 days. Um, I'll throw one more fun one out there. How would you feel about the Pirates re-signing Neil Walker? I think Pirates fans would take him back, accept him with open arms. And, and Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, here's the thing. He didn't, like, leave Pittsburgh free agency, right? He was traded. No, he was traded. But, I, you yeah. know, I, so that, I imagine he will be welcomed back. You know, they, like... That's. I don't think there's going to well, be a lot of bad blood if he comes back. I was saying, you know? there's not bad blood because he was traded. It's not right. It's not like he left them and then like it's just business. Say, hey, I'm back. Although if he wins a championship, then he'll be like LeBron. But whatever. Nah, it's not like that at all. Saying <laughs> yeah, Neil Walker is not the LeBron James of Major League Baseball by any means. Uh, but yeah, he's he's 32 years old now, but he's still putting up Neil Walker numbers where he'll hit 25-ish homers every year and driving a bunch of runs. So still a good player. All right, I think that's a good place to to end off here. And this was the the entirety of my article, basically because nothing else is happening. I had to I had literally had to make up stuff happening this off season to talk about. Yeah, I, I just want everybody to to realize this. I want any you know baseball fans who are upset as as upset as we are to kind of revel in that fact that. I feel cheated, and you should feel cheated as a baseball fan. So I mean, I think it was an inevitable low because the high of last year was insane, mm-hmm. and, and the expected high of next year. Yeah, so it makes sense, but that doesn't take away from the fact that there are a lot of good free agents out there. It, it's pretty weird that January twelfth. It's still like what? What was? What's been the biggest move so far? That's happened since, like, November. Jay Bruce. Oh, since November? I mean, since November, that's when Otani and Stanton stuff happened. No, I'm but... saying since that happened, though. Since it oh, started since, those things. Since winter meetings, but... let's say. Yeah, okay, that's a better Nothing, way to put it. Like, Jay Bruce signed this past week with the Mets again, and that's about it. Right. And Wade, like, Wade, Wade Davis signed... Oh, Wade Davis also. ...in Denver and uh, Carlos Santana of the Phillies. That was By during way, the winter I meetings. I so think that Wade really... Davis contract is terrible. I, I don't know if... Yeah, it's going to be, he's going to have to win the Cy Young as a relief pitcher to make that contract worthwhile in my mind. So, Really interesting if that was finally with this side that they were going to spend money on pitching was to overpay a declining reliever. Come on, the Rockies, you're not, you're not following the, the plan, the perfect plan. They need to sign J.D. Martinez. That's what they needed to do. But now they probably can't with Wade Davis. Uh, uh, right. I don't really get picking up though. this is the final thought. I don't see any reason why it will. Because if it was going to pick up, it would have already by now from all the major things that happened back in November. That would have set it all off. Mm-hmm. Or the winter meetings where usually most of the action tends to happen on average. If it hasn't happened by then, I think... Do you guys remember that year where like uh, Kendrys Morales and a bunch of other people signed like literally during spring training? Yeah, and a yeah. couple contracts went into the season. Like, they weren't signed until the season started. It's like some decent players. I forget exactly, but that was only a couple years ago. Was so. that the same year that Steven Drew wasn't signed until, like, May? That Steven was Drew was one of them. I feel like yeah. he wasn't the only one, though, right? 
I don't know. Uh, he was the biggest name, but he also wasn't worth what he wanted. Fair enough. All right, so basically, we'll keep doing our thing. We'll keep making up stuff to talk about until you know things actually happen. I uh, hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, thanks for sticking it out on this one. You, we'd love to hear what you think about any of these hypothetical deals or about anything else, any questions you have. You can get in touch with us on Twitter or on Facebook, um, and that's at BeatTheShiftBP at both of those places. And, of course, you can email us, BeatTheShiftBaseball at gmail.com as well. And check out our website. It's all updated. All our podcasts are very neatly organized now, and all our articles are there as well. So that is all for this one. Thanks, everybody, again for joining us. As always, Rude. Peace.